You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme this evening, I pay a visit to Tralee to visit a lovely creative space to meet Chef Gorka Arietta, who is the driving force behind the All-Ireland Tapas and Pincho competition. And I'll also meet Taste Kerry's John Harty, who are supporting the competition. Artist and designer and former Kerry Rose, Rebecca Wall tells me about the wonderful creative hub and coffee shop Madden's on Milk Market Lane in Tralee. And for the week that's in it, with Valentine's Day this Thursday, we will delve into the 2014 archives and recall an interview with Thomas Villon from the French table in Limerick when he brought lots of mouth-watering French food and wine into the best possible taste studio. But before all of that, you can get in touch with the best possible taste by emailing me s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation and I'm on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. Now, tapas has to be one of my favourite ways to dine and it's great to see the format appearing in more and more dining spaces throughout Ireland. Chef Gorga Arrieta hails from the Basque region in Spain and is now Kerry-based. And I met him to hear his story and find out from him and Taste Kerry's John Hardy about the upcoming All-Ireland Tapas and Pincho competition. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Gorka, it's lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. You're from Spain originally and we're going to talk about the All-Ireland Tapas competition that you're running here in Ireland. But before we get down to that, I want to find out a bit about you yourself and your background. So you're from the Basque country in Spain. Yes, I'm from Vitoria, the capital of the Basque country. And um, I work actually at the moment in, in, I'm the head chef in Solisombra. That's in Kilorglin in, in County Kerry. In County Kerry, that is a lovely converted church into a tapas bar. So it's very traditional Spanish, but I always like to work with uh, local produce. And local produce meaning how can you do an Irish tapa? And then you, I am a firm believer that in Ireland you have top produce. Top, top, top quality produce. And is it the produce that brought you to Ireland initially, or what? What brought no, you to my, Ireland? No, my, I came to Ireland 21 years ago as in a six-month experience. And, uh, and was that six-month experience in a kitchen? Were you yeah, working in a kitchen yeah, back I, in Spain? I, yeah, and I worked in the Brando Hotel in in, in Tralee. And then six months became a year, a year became two, two, three, and then I'm here 21 years after. And no signs of returning to the no. Basque country. You've told me that you're an avid surfer, so the yeah. surf is great in, yeah. in parts of Kerry, so that must yeah. be a great attraction as yeah, well as the ingredients. Yeah, yeah I always, they're, they're my two passions, cooking and, and surfing, and, and Ireland is, Ireland is something unreal to experience. It's not for everybody in the winter when the waves are, you have to have a, a, a wetsuit and the booties and the hoodie and the gloves, but you experience things with 10 people in the water while you go to the northern Spain and there is 400 people or everywhere around the world. And the scenery and things I've lived here with friends that they're just 
unbelievable. And, and the ocean then, of course, is a great source not only of, of your favourite pastime, but also some amazing ingredients. Yeah. And you must explain to us tapas and pincho. Yeah. What's the difference between the two? Well, basically, basically, as we talked before, tapa is originally a cover, no a cover for a drink. That's how the tapa originated. But uh, obviously, it is the most traditional Spanish dish. Uh, it's a culture, so we go for tapas. We go in Spain. We relax. We atmosphere. We are with friends. We are uh, having a glass of wine, and we pick. We might not sit down, or when we sit down for a meal, it's more formal. So it's the most informal way of eating, and and it's something that you experience since you're a kid. And have you noticed? A change and a shift in Irish tastes in the last twenty odd years. Yeah. Like, would there have been any tapas around when you first came? Was that something that people were familiar yeah, maybe, with? Maybe, maybe, maybe in Dublin uh, or big cities, Cork. But, but chefs have changed. Technology has changed. The skills have changed. Uh, Irish Irish food scene has changed dramatically, dramatically. You know, and for the better. I think there are stunning chefs here in Ireland, uh, stunning produce, uh, stunning places to eat, um, and maybe maybe 20 years ago, maybe when the boom or the Celtic Tiger that brought a lot of influences as well, so people are become more concerned of other cultures or other produce. So a, a Spanish tapa doesn't necessarily have to be a hundred percent Spanish produce. You know, it's about the concept. And the concept that we want in this competition is that the hash texture is easy to grab with hand. It's two, three bites. It has flavor. Uh, and it has that look that is desirable. So that picture perfect. So that's exactly what we're looking for in this, in this competition. And when we send the rules, there are certain rules for this competition, uh, they... They obviously have to have 60% of Spanish produce that all the chefs now, they're fully aware. They all travel to destinations as the Basque Country because probably now the Basque Country is at the top of the food scene in the world. Everybody travels because, for, for example, San Sebastian is the capital with more Michelin stars in the world. But, you know, that gives you, that gives people that they come there uh, the idea of how food is developing and so quick. You might find, I don't know, kimchi in, in, in a tapa, but that's okay. They might do, we, we myself and Rob, we, we found uh, people doing things like oxtail brownie. And that's Rob Curley, and he's, Rob Curley. he is based in my hometown in the north in Balamina, and he runs the Slemish Market okay, Supper Club. And the two of you have been friends for over 20 years. Yeah, since the first day, since the, the first day um, I came to Ireland, and I started working in the Brandon, we work uh, side by side. Then um, we became good friends. Then he obviously went to back to Dublin, and, and he worked in amazing places. He worked in... Uh, Le uh, he worked in, in all the top places, in Thorntons, in, I think he worked in uh, San Hans on the Green. And then he's doing now his own thing, and I think he's a very different 
he has a very different approach to food. He's very inventive, very creative. And last year, he was very inventive and creative because he entered a dish into the, the yeah. all, was it the World Tapas competition? Yeah. So tell me about your trip over, you went over to Spain with him last yeah, year and we, tell me about that. We went to, we went in November, we went to Valladolid and um, Rob and myself, we discussed about the tapa because we knew that the level of, 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 of cooking is, is, is really, really high. There's people that enter with two Michelin stars, but that doesn't mean they're going to win. You know, the, 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 the tapa has to be kind of uh, feasible as well. It has to be practical. So if you do, if you do a function and 100 people are going to come, that is not very difficult to create. So we came, we came and said, well, we want to bring Ireland into Spain. And we said, we need textures. And say November, oysters. So um, where are we? I'm, I'm in Kerry. I didn't participate myself, but I went kind of his guide and, um, and kind of his part of the team. So we did a charcoal, we did a charcoal herba bread made with turf. We did a Guinness gel. We cured three oysters in kelp seaweed. We did a emulsion of oysters and marine phytoplankton. We used uh, the raw of the trout and we made a horseradish foam. It sounds delicious and you've showed me an image of it which we'll put up onto the website for the listeners to see as well. This whole idea of the All Ireland Tapas Championship is because my love of the two countries. You know, Ireland, uh, I've been here for 21 years and the best country in Spain. So we've we've been overwhelmed, you know, with the application and the interest in all media, in all the chefs, in the chef world. And I think it's good because last year we had the chance to enter a really high competition. As the first entrance, we just wanted to get a taste of what is a competition in front of 700 people and media from all over the world. Yeah, so you have learned a lot from, from being in Spain yes. with Rob last year yes. and you're going to bring that knowledge and yes. expertise to this year's yes. competition in Ireland. Like the deadline is the 22nd of February, yes. so that's not too far away. Yeah. And I think the details are on the tastecarry.ie yes. website because tastecarry has been a huge supporter. Yes. You mentioned Tralee Bay Oysters and who else has uh, been has been really helpful? Well, the, the, the Kerry group... Uh, was uh, really really good to us, you know. They sponsored us in the in the trip to Spain. Uh, Terra Foods, you know, gourmet foods here in in Trilly. They're in a Spanish uh, wine and food uh, uh, suppliers. Uh, and then, of course, the IT Trilly. Uh, without the IT Trilly, we just couldn't we couldn't do the event that we wanted to. Do. Then there is uh, we're working with the Spanish embassy. We're working with the tourism board in Spain that, apart from the prices, there is going to be a little bit of a surprise of a prize for the winner. Lovely. That's so, I'm intrigued by that. And the judges that you have coming yes. to Ireland, tell us yes. about those. Well, we have, um, we have Obin, that he was the world champion in 2017. Uh, we couldn't bring this year's champion that New Zealand won this year, last, well, last year. And, but the first winner of the World Tapa Championship is he's from Norway. He's a really, really top class chef in Norway. Uh, we'll bring in uh, Juan Carayerbe, that is the organizer of the Pinchon Gastronomica in San Sebastian, the Congress. So uh, he's uh, one of the top persons for organizing events and 
really into the tapas and pincho culture. It's a really impressive panel of chefs yeah. are on the, the judging yeah. panel. So I would imagine that you have a lot of entries already yeah. and you're going to shortlist those down and then the people come and serve up their tapas yeah. to this panel of yeah. judges. People have to be aware that this is what the, the reason that we learned a lot in, in Valladolid last year, Rob and myself, is to give the chance this year to somebody to participate, represent represent Ireland in a world tapas competition. In Spain, if you if you said I'm a world tapas champion, that means a lot. That means you know, you understand Spanish culture and, and Spanish food. And it's a great accolade. Apart from that, there is a price of it's a personal price of six thousand euros for the person that wins it. Your life will change. You'll travel all over Spain. Uh, you'll be sponsored by a lot of people. So your year is going to be uh, interesting. Well, it, it definitely sounds like an amazing opportunity yes. for any chef or very good cook that's out yeah. there. I'm going to bring John Hardy from Taste Carry in now. John, <laughs> tell me about whenever Gorka came to you with this idea. What was your your first reaction? Um, Gorka is very um, Gorka is very passionate about what he does. He's very passionate about food, uh, very passionate about local food. So when Gorka came to us with this idea. Um, we uh, rode in behind him immediately, um, based on, on on his his involvement in the local food scene here in here in Kerry. Are you hoping that a Kerry person picks up the crown? Uh, it would be great if a, if, a, if a Kerry person picked up the crown, but uh, but this is an all Ireland um, competition, and uh, uh, the winner will be representing Ireland uh, uh, at the World uh, Span- uh, Spanish uh, Tapas Championships. So. Uh, any any Irish person um, promoting Irish food would be a benefit to uh, to us all. And what advice do you have to somebody that's thinking about entering? Um, advice? Um, well, well, Gurkha and uh, don't be afraid of Gurkha and uh, and the panel of uh, of judges. Because it is and a fairly intimidating it is panel a fairly of judges, intimidating but panel that can judges, only be a good thing. But this is it. I mean, um, once the quality and. Uh, and, and level of of the tapa is 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 worthy of get of getting to to spit to to the world championships. It can only be to their benefit. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is the website that that you coordinate, and there's lots of the different producers from Kerry, restaurateurs, cafes, etc. On there. Tell us what's your objective. Taste Kerry is an organisation that um, promotes um, local food businesses, the, um, the, um, the Kerry food industry, um, the food service industry in Kerry, and food tourism here in, within the county. Um, we have um, a full listing of all our um, producers uh, within the within the county, uh, and then listings of uh, restaurants. Uh, um, hotels, etc., that use local produce, and uh, and then we promote whatever events and activities that that um, these restaurants participate in. And have you any other events coming up at the moment that uh, you'd like to tell us about? Uh, well, right now at the minute we have the All Ireland Tapas Championships, which are taking place in April, uh, and we're also working with um, Trilly Food Festival. Will be organising their um, food festival in um, May. I think it is this year. They've brought it forward from September. Uh, it was such a 
a large event by them last year that they have moved it to, uh, to the Maybank holiday weekend and are building an even bigger and better festival there. Oh, we must keep our eye out for that and you'll tell us more about that nearer indeed. to the time. I will indeed. In the meantime, thanks so much to you and Gorka for talking to me today and best of luck with the All-Ireland Tapas and Pincho competition which takes place from the 8th to the 10th of April and the deadline for entries is the 22nd of February and all the details are on the tastecary.ie website. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Chef Gorka Arietta from Spain, but now based in County Kerry, shared his food journey from the Basque region to Ireland and along with John Hardy from Taste Kerry, told us about the first ever All-Ireland Tapas and Pincho competition. If you're just tuning in now, you might want to catch the best possible taste repeat on West Limerick 102 FM on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website. Still to come tonight, we will be celebrating Valentine's Day by delving into the archives and sampling lots of delectable French food and wine. But next tonight, we are returning to Tralee in County Kerry to meet Rebecca Wall. A former Kerry Rose, Rebecca is an artist and designer and runs Madden's on Milk Market Lane in Tralee, which has a wonderful past and an even more promising future. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rebecca, what a fabulous spot you have here in Tralee. Madden's, tell us about it. Just describe it for the benefit of the listeners. It's not lucky enough to be here like I am. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on a Friday morning. Um, Madden's is located just off the main street um, in Tralee and it's in Milk Market Lane. And it was a building built in 1856 and about two years ago, friends of mine bought it, the Kelleher essentially. And I would say they're one of the main stable families in Chile town itself. And they wanted to do something with the building that would bring it back to its original state. So the building was actually one of the main shop fronts in Chile. Now, as time has gone on, the town has gotten much bigger. So we're now sort of off the main street. But it's been all paired back to its original state. So all the stonework has been exposed. So you see all the different generations, as the way I would put it. All the fireplaces are here. We poured polished concrete onto the floor to level it out downstairs. So the sand is local, the stone is local that's gone into the floor. Um, we have corrugated iron countertops. My mother used to say I'd break corrugated iron as a child. So we brought it in into the building. So it has an industrial feel as well to it. Um, we replicated the, the windows, the original windows in Belfast. And we have a cobbled courtyard out the back, which is an enclosed space that lights up at night. Um, there's a little bit of a, a European Mediterranean feel about the place. Well, besides the the windswept Friday that we have here today. But um, during the summer, we'll be doing lots of outdoor events and acoustic collective sessions is the way I would describe it. We also have a very large wall to the left, which I've kept totally and utterly blank, so we can do outdoor movies. The building itself houses 19 Irish artists. All the work in here is made by Irish artists. But I suppose the jewel in the crown is our coffee. So we have the coffee comes from the old barracks in Limerick 
Alan trained us in. I thought I knew about coffee until I met Alan. He's a fair guru in the coffee, he is, is Alan yeah, Andrews. Absolutely. Um, I would say he's nearly the Dalai Lama of, of coffees because he um, educated me as to the origins of coffee, um, the I suppose the seasons of coffee, how they're roasted. They created a blend for us here in the town. And um, I've really, my, my knowledge of coffee and the way it's drank and the, the way it could be drank as well has, has really, I would say, organically grown. Also, it's a great thing to have in the town because a lot of people can be in fear at the idea of coming into an area that is full with artists' work because they feel they would like to commit, but maybe they may not be able to afford. We're actually very, very affordable, but it's... The idea of going in and buying a coffee for €2.70, they'll commit to that, no problem. So it's a great way to get people in. We have a communal table downstairs. I think great friendships have been born out of that, the idea of sitting together and sharing a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Um, All our tea is loose tea, and then anything we have food-wise is confectionery, but it is all baked locally. So everything here is 100% Irish. It is a fabulous space, and it is so interesting to see all the different artists work around the place tell us about you and yourself as an artist you're now a barista as well thanks to all the training from (laughs) Alan but what's your your creative side so I suppose I worked in the pedagogical industry for 19 years I still work in that area I have taught primary secondary and third level and one of the things I've always done is wanted to do practice what you teach is the way I would describe it. So what I did was I decided to open a studio here myself in Chile. And it was supposed to be initially my own studio, but in actual fact, so many people wanted something similar. I began to house artists. So now I have an artist in residence and I also have an illustrator um, upstairs. So we have a, a tailoring service um, and I suppose I, I, I actually dress some of the roses for the Rosa Trilly as well. So I'm a sponsor and that side. So I have a kind of a finger and toe on every pie. So between education, um, projects on site. So Trilly My Love was set up by my partner, Ash Maguire. And um, we are going to be doing different projects to promote the town and showing the creative industry and hive that is very much flourishing within the town at the minute. So you're very passionate about Tralee. Is this where you're from originally? Yeah, so my family would have been um, a large family in Tralee town, still are the walls, and we would have worked in all different areas, but my grandfather had a bicycle shop in the original Mart, which is just located, was just located behind the shop itself. So um, I have a huge passion about where I'm from, um, also the fact that we have so many creative people here and uh, we just need to showcase that I suppose really and Madden's is the opportunity or a platform or a springboard to showcase the work that is there locally um, having been away and come back and lived in other parts of Ireland I realise how spoilt we are here so we have Killarney and Dingle on either side of us but we really are the creative hub in the centre and Chile is experiencing very much a turning tide is the way I would describe it at the minute because we have a lot of people who've been away coming back who are in their 30s and 40s and wanting to come back to where they originated from because they realise it's an amazing place to run a family it, we are our airport is only half an hour of the road. Um, you can you can avoid the traffic in the sense of, you know, it's 20 minutes to work or it's 10 minutes to work. You know your neighbours. Um, so Tralee is, is, would be a huge, huge passion of mine. And you mentioned the Rose of Tralee there. Yes. And like everybody knows about the Rose of Tralee Festival that takes place in August. 
And the town is just jam-packed then Absolutely. whenever that's on. It's great for the town. It's huge. Also, um, I'm a former Rose, so I was a Kerry Rose in 98. So it'll be coming up to our 21st, um, I suppose, reunion. And a lot of my Rose sisters came back last year and I had just opened Madden, essentially. Um, so we had a little reunion and Hopefully. they came from Texas and New York. Belgium, London, Australia. We had people from all over and it was a great way to reunite. It's a huge celebration of women and what women are doing today and empowering women. And also it's one of the greatest networking events you could possibly imagine because in my year we had 32 roses. An average year now has 64. So you can imagine after one week, you have a sister in any part of the world so you can pick up the phone and say I need to get to Perth or I need to go to China or I need to go to Belgium or France wherever it is and you have a contact there so it's a great way for social networking and business and that sometimes gets lost in translation. Well unfortunately it does come in for some criticism and what would you say to those people that do criticise it? Oh we often get nicknamed the lovely girl competition as the way I describe it and I would agree with you it is lovely because we have a lovely CVs, education backgrounds, businesses, um, partners, children. They are fantastic and lovely women but not in the light that people kind of realise a lot of the time. A lot of these women, especially the women in my year, are people now who run um, large uh, companies in the States. Um, We had one lady flew in in her own jet. They're very, very successful women. So behind that beautiful face and smiling face is a very beautiful brain. And people need to realise that a lot, lot more. So I would say the Rosa Tree is an amazing festival because name any other festival in the world that has for the last 60 years celebrated their culture, but specifically women. And they come back year after year after year. And I would say a lot of them are unsung heroes, in my opinion, because they've flocked to the town with their families. And it's something we hope to to work more with. So I've sponsored Philadelphia over the past couple of years, um, Chicago, Ohio. And that has allowed me to travel and meet those centres and see the businesses and see what's going on there and bring some of that information home and translate it and make it appropriate to our culture here in Chile. And this year, um, I won't be going overseas. I'm staying somewhere closer to home. And where are you sponsoring this year? So this year I'm going to be sponsoring the Antrim Rose. Fantastic, that's where I'm from. So (laughs) originally, so you must take me up with you whenever you're going up. So it's on the last weekend in April. And one of the things, I suppose, which was quite sad um, uh, for us, the year I was a rose was the year of the Oma bombing. And we had... Um, we were supposed to go to the north that year the idea of crossing over and you know celebrating Irish women there and and the Rose of Chile and unfortunately due to what happened happened we didn't go Um, and it is a huge privilege and an honour for me to be going back to Belfast um, to Antrim 21 years later to sponsor um, a rose there so it's 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 bringing north and south together um, through the hands of women and celebrating our culture Fabulous. Well, you'll have a great trip to the north, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> in the meantime, best of luck with your space here, Maddens. It's such a hidden gem, really, Thank Interly, I, I mean, I only found <laughs> out about it today and I know I will be back on many visits. And thanks for having me and talking to me. Thank you very much. The pleasure was mine. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by the Taste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. 
Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, designer and artist Rebecca Wall welcomed me to Madden's on Milk Market Lane in Tralee, which is a creative hub and coffee shop. And earlier in the programme, Chef Gorka Arietta from Spain but now based in County Kerry shared his food story from the Basque region to Ireland and along with John Hardy from Taste Kerry told us about the first ever All-Ireland Tapas and Pincho competition. And just to let you know that the best possible taste is repeated on West Limerick 102 FM on Wednesday mornings at 8am. The podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app and it's also on the taste.ie website. Now for the week that's in it with Valentine's Day this Thursday, we're going to delve into the 2014 archives and recall an interview with Thomas from the French table in Limerick when he brought lots of mouth-watering French food and wine into the best possible taste studio. Salut! Cheers! Chin chin! Salut! Schleinte! As Valentine's Day is this weekend, we decided that as the French have a reputation for being romantic, who better to invite into the studio than Thomas from the French table in Limerick. Now, Thomas, would you agree that the French people are more romantic than the Irish? I don't know. You'll have to ask my wife about that. (laughs) Based on this lovely food that is sitting in front of me, I would say that your wife is a very lucky lady indeed. (laughs) Tell us about the nice things that you've brought into the studio. So, well, today I just thought I'd brought you what really represents the French table and French food in general. So we have today... uh, Terrine, terrine de campagne, we call that, uh, country-style terrine. I brought you the very controversial foie gras. Our marinated salmon, who's cured, and then we had a little bit of lemon juice and good quality olive oil to finish it up. We serve that with some little blinis that you have there, little pancakes. No good French meal with good bread. Of course, that's what I brought you. And the best butter, Irish butter. Can we say which one? Of course. Kerrygold. Of course. <laughs> what else? My husband wouldn't have anything else in the house. Now tell me the bread. Is this homemade bread that you no, make No, it's yourself? not. We get it imported from France. It's par-cooked and we finish it by ourselves. Okay. We just thought for a matter of, of quality and uh, to keep it standard, it's better to get it that, that way. We go through about 25 breads a day, so it would okay. be a lot to, to make it ourselves. Okay. And then you're just uncorking a nice bottle of wine there <laughs> to let it breathe before we get done to that. Will we do a tasting of something first? Shall we do? Okay, what will we start with? We'll start probably with the terrine. I'm going to get organized with that for you. And, and wine. tell me, what exactly is a terrine for somebody that maybe they've ordered it but they and they like it, but they don't know what is exactly in it? Now, in the terrine, we'll put, we put some pork neck, we put some smoked streaky bacon and a bit of chicken liver to give a little bit of a, of a, of a smoothness. Then we, it's kind of a force-fed meat. And then we put that in the terrine and then it's cooked for about an hour and a half and then sets. And then we cut it like that. And do you cook it in a bain-marie? Yeah, in a bain-marie, at a a low temperature, about 100 degrees, not to get bubbles going and to have a a good and even cooking of it. Now, the ingredients that you mentioned there, would those all be Irish locally sourced ingredients? Now, for for beef and creamery, uh, Ireland have the best product in the world. We have no, no question of that. Now, for our product like rubbish, duck, I import that. 
it's just the supply is more uniform for us and it's easier to get to, to get it and it suits better the dish that we're doing now i'm not saying there isn't any duck supplier or rabbit supplier in ireland but it's just for what we're doing that for the moment is the standard we're aiming for it's the imported stuff Okay, so will we have a little taste then of the terrine? You're serving it up with... Uh... With some Pinot Blanc from Aldas. So that's my own region. So at the restaurant, we actually, as I am from Aldas, importing our own Aldas wine. So Pinot Blanc will have that very generous nose that you can have there and with a good bit of acidity. Very close from the Pinot Grigio that the Irish like so much. But because it's from my own region, I... Uh, like to promote it. It is very fragrant. Yeah. But it, it's nice. It's lovely. And there's a nice acidity. It cleans the palate. That's what you want with a good white, white wine is to clean the palate, you know. So when it, it calls for food. There's that call for food. You know, you want to go for it again. And you need that balance between the food and the wine. What you don't want is a wine you overpower your mouth. You want something good clean. So we'll try maybe the... The terrine. Okay. I brought all my stuff there, so I'll help you. And you can tell me what you think about it. And you would recommend serving that with your your crusty bread there? Your crusty bread. Now, at the French table, we serve that normally with a selection of charcuterie. It would be salami, terrine. I hope you're not a vegetarian. I'm not. Don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here we go. I'll pass it on to you. Now, with a selection of terrine, and bayon ham and saucisson sec. So. Mmm. It's quite coarse compared to pate. That would really make the difference between something was homemade and not. And I'm very happy that you noticed mm-hmm. the difference. That's what it is. You know, you can feel every texture into it. You can tell there's meat into it. It's not something was just soft in your mouth and just disappear you know what you want what, what I'm a little bit against those days I found that the food in Germany very soft people are don't want any more texture in, the, in their mouth you know it's that's well probably because the industrial food that we have served on the on the everyday basis but when it's homemade it needs to be recognized as homemade and that's the whole idea of having it that way you know and do you put herbs of any yes we do we could do a good bit of parsley and a little bit of thyme yeah, no, that I'm. That is lovely. I'm surprised how much I do actually like that. It's not very strong and it's not very overpowering. Yeah, good stuff in Tosh. Yep, lovely. I'll just have a little swig. Of <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just to clean your palate. Now I'll give you a good little helping of the very controversial foie gras. Well, I don't know if you know what about foie gras. It's a. So I've just had the terrine and now this is the foie gras. This is the foie gras. So that would be the 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 high end of the pâté. Smoother, richer, but you are in something else. Now, the price of that would be six times the price of the others. That's a delicacy in France. That That's w- delish. <laughs> that, there's a nice sweetness of yeah. it. We put a little bit of port into it because mm. there's a good bit of acidity in duck in duck liver so just to cut that, that acidity we put a little bit of port and why is there the controversy over the foie gras because it's force fed meat okay so I believe uh, many people are against the idea of taking an animal and see it's an expanded liver so in the matter to have the liver to expand that much you need to force fed the animal I believe it's been done for the past 4,000 years now it's delicious 
It is very good. No, I if you're against it, don't have it. I know. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, we do at the French table. I believe in California, in the state of California, it has been, it has been banned. Uh, there was talk in Ireland about two or three years ago of going to the same direction. They haven't. I believe people who legislate know how good it is. Yeah, so absolutely. they didn't. <laughs> So those are two dishes that might, they would be starters in the menu? They'll be starters now. Okay. They'll be starters now. Would you like to try the, 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 the marinade? Absolutely. The salmon, the salmon now is cured. Um, cured is basically a process of putting salt and sugar over a piece of meat or fish. So to extract that moisture and to keep it dry and to conserve it a little bit longer. That would be the in the old days when we didn't have any fridge. Well... The only way they had it is to put salt over things, and that's what we did. So we put loads of salt over it. We leave it for about three, four days like that, and then we put loads of water over it. Oh, sorry, I'm going to put it on the blinis for you. And do you do that yourself? Yes. Now, we're trying to do everything homemade at the French table. The only thing we don't do ourselves is the ice cream. We're getting our ice cream from Cork. And that's all. All the rest is done by ourselves. I love the blini. Normally it's sort of warm. It's um lovely texture to the blini because sometimes I find with blinis they're a bit limp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the salmon, again, there's a lovely, like there is a strong fish taste yeah, of yeah. that. Where do you source the salmon itself from? The salmon is coming from Castleton Bear. We got uh, Shellfish de la Mer, Paddy Murphy is looking after all our fish. So that's him who sourced that for us. That's County Cork. Yeah, County Cork. Two times a week, Wednesday and Saturday, we're getting fresh fish from Castle Tumber. Do you get much time yourself to go out and about to source suppliers and go to tastings and... To be really honest, at that stage now, uh, at the French table, we have a bunch of suppliers working for us for the past four years and we're very happy with them. Now, unless somebody comes to me with a very special product and I'm happy to go on business with him, we are quite stuck with what we have We're at the moment. very loyal to your suppliers. We are very loyal to our suppliers and they are very good to us. That's good. It's, I think that's how it works, you know. Uh, going from one supplier to another all year round doesn't it's no good for your business it's no good for you it's hard for you to maintain and this way you you are sure that your 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 supplier is bringing you the best product that he can because he, he trusts you he knows you're going to pay him well there is a, a trust kind of a business going there between yourself and your supplier have you noticed much of a dis- difference since the recession hit in terms of the price of things? Have prices come down or because a number of these products are fairly premium products, would they would the price be fairly consistent? The price haven't dropped that much. Now, let's let's understand something is Ireland is looked very well all over the world for all the product that we have as the farming product, all the creamery, beef, lamb, are sold at a premium price all over the world and is probably sold a little bit cheaper in Ireland. So the farmers know very well that they will sell. So we have to keep buying it at a high price if we want a good product. We are blessed in Ireland with what we have, but we have to pay for the good stuff. Okay. Well, that's the same everywhere really, isn't it? You know, you get what you pay for and you have to pay for quality. But Ireland have something very special, especially into beef. Okay. Especially into beef. When you see the export, like I've been 
booming in the past five years, and we have to fight against that. Because if I want to, if I don't charge my people, my customers, for my good product, well, I'd be making a loss. So I need need to kind of you know explain to people all the time that you know it's maybe a little bit more expensive, but it's the best that you're going to get. Well, you have to be commercially viable, obviously. And your customers, do you find that there is a typical profile during the week? Is there a lot of business people yes. come in for lunch? Yes. Uh, we'll be During the week, we'll be much more orientated with uh, corporates. And then coming up to the weekend, couples, families, you know, people enjoying their time at the French table. But during the week, definitely the corporates. And that has picked up a lot now the last two years again. Do you feel that the hotel or the restaurant, is it a child-friendly restaurant? Yes. Yes. I have nothing against children. Uh, what we found is because we are, we are that kind of restaurant with us who include a spe- special occasion, people always ask. Yes. And I have no problem with children. Do you find that the French in general are quite uh, good at feeding their children what they eat themselves? So things like what we're tasting here today, would the children be raised on that sort of cuisine? Yes. Yes. The variety is greater. And yeah, you eat at the table what the parents eat. And there is no such a thing that sauces and chips for lunch. Okay. What about these nice desserts you've brought in? <laughs> children must grow. <laughs> children are going for that, all right. Now, what I brought you, it's a little sample of what we do the best. Now, th- there would be the same thing, the kind of desserts that we serve at the French table from, from day one. You know, there was no question when we first started the restaurant that what kind of desserts are we going to do? You're going to have to have a creme brulee. You're going to have to have a chocolate mousse. And you're going to have to have some sort of tart. So we have a tart du jour, as we call it. So every day we change. Today we have um, passion fruit and lemon. So I'm going to give you a little slice of that. And the chocolate mousse. So the question was, how do you make it the best? So that just, you know, you improve the product. You taste it every so often. And you think a little bit more of this, a little more of that. My wife is a great critic, so she gave me all her insight. And then the customer will let you know if they like it or not, you know. And with the chocolate mousse then, what sort of chocolate would you use in that? 55% Carib chocolates that we source from our supplier in France. So that's now on top. You have some Chantilly cream. Chantilly is uh, is a sugar, whipped cream, and vanilla. So you need to dip, dip, and to mix it all together. Oh, lads! <laughs> I'm, having, I'm going in for the second one now. That's that's it's so light and yeah, mm, lovely. Now I would probably go for the creme brulee first before the passion fruit because the passion fruit has definitely that zingy taste. So you'll, yeah, it's probably better for your palate. Geraldine will be rolling me out of here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that the creme brulee, it's so shallow. It's, you know, sometimes you get the smaller ramekin, maybe like this ramekin, yeah. the smaller ramekin that you've used for the, the chocolate mousse, and it's a deeper... And it would make it very eggy, I found. It can, I was just going to say it can be a bit scrambled in. Yeah, like, yeah, no. that's not what you want. But this is a lovely wide... Rim. That would be a traditional dish now of a creme brulee. Mm. And just before we came on air... You sprinkled the sugar yeah. on it and got out the, the burner. But if you don't have a burner at home and you wanted to do this at home? Very hard to do it with the grill. Yeah. You're not going to get the same results. The little burner you can find any, in any small shop now, the little hand burner. and Yeah, the red, they are readily available. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, they are. They are. And I'm going in for the... Uh, passion fruit and lemon. Passion fruit and lemon. And you said this is a tart du jour. That is a tart du jour. So every day we change. So yesterday was pear and almond. Today is... 
passion fruit and lemon. Tomorrow is probably going to be French apple tart. So every day we change and with the season. And That's lovely. Thank you very much. I love the, the combination of the passion fruit and the lemon. Oh, I'll have to go now <laughs> and finish this all off. Thomas, thanks so much for coming in and bringing such a veritable feast for us. It's been lovely talking to you. If people want to find out more about The French Table, you have a website. We have a website. It's uh, frenchtable.ie and we have a Facebook page. So you can see we have many pictures and events, food and wine evening, wine tasting, different thing, cooking class occasionally. Thanks again for coming in. Thanks for having me. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Great to hear that interview with Tomas again. And I can still remember the deliciousness of that foie gras and the chocolate mousse. And I have to say the French table has gone from strength to strength since that interview in 2014. It has undergone a major refurbishment and has some sister businesses be at the Milk Market, which opens Wednesdays to Sundays. And then there's also the French Table Patisserie in Castle Troy Shopping Centre in Limerick. Now, before we finish up tonight, we have to say congratulations to the Urban Co-op in Limerick City on its success at the All-Ireland Community and Council Awards at the weekend, where they won the best business working with the community. Well done to Deirdre, Anne and all the team there. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thank you so much for tuning in and to my guests, Gorka Arietta, John Hardy, Rebecca Wall and of course Thomas from The French Table for the interview in 2014. I'll be back next week but feel free to get in touch with your food and drink news, recipes and events before then. Email me s.nunan at live.ie And until next week, have a fabulous Valentine's Day. I hope it's fierce romantic and uh, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit. <laughs>